Mark chapter 15. And I want you to begin reading with me in verse 6. Would you stand as we honor his word? I have been preaching through the gospel of Mark on Sunday morning for over three, three and a half years. And have been near the foot of the cross for several weeks. And I want to stay there this night. Mark 15 verse 6. Now at that feast, he, referring to Pilate, released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection or during the insurrection. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him, Pilate, to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Verse 7, there is the statement, And there was one named Barabbas. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. Our Father, as we have come to this evening's hour, I first want to thank you for just the blessing that everything has been to my heart this week, this place, this ministry, this pastor, WGCR. All of these things, Lord, we give you thanks for. To the part that they have played not only in our lives, but literally lives around the world. And so we come this evening and I personally give you thanks for the part they have played on my own heart. Now, Lord, we have read your word. And I offer now what we have read to you that you might bless it. We've not come just to share a few ideals or to compete. But we have come that you might speak to our hearts. And that you might work in our hearts. I give you myself that everything about me be totally controlled by you. My thoughts, 
my words, even my emotions, that they all be controlled by you as you would desire them to be used at this moment. Open our mind and heart to your word and be glorified. Take us to the foot of the cross to deeper and better appreciate what we have in our blessed Lord. It's in his name we pray and ask these things. Amen. In the book of Mark chapter 15 verses 6 through 14, we have the final scene before our Lord's crucifixion. From the moment our Lord was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, there had been a whirlwind of events leading up to this moment. The Lord Jesus had been wrongfully arrested, shamefully mocked, cruelly mistreated, and unlawfully condemned. Peter spoke about how wicked hands had taken him. And when you look at these scenes, the scenes around the death and the crucifixion of our Lord, indeed you see wicked hands involved in every little detail. Every detail. But I remind you, despite the horrible miscarriage of justice that our Lord faced at the hands of wicked men, we must never forget and lose sight of God's providential and sovereign hand in everything that is going on. Isaiah the prophet saw Jesus as one smitten of God and saw how the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of his all. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, he spoke about how Jesus had been delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. From a human perspective, it was wicked men responsible for our Lord's crucifixion. However, from an eternal perspective, the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross was according to the purpose and the plan of God. Jesus died, as he stated in Mark 10, 45, to give his life a ransom for many. As the hymn writer said, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan, and oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. For you see, Calvary was the place where the Lord Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice to save each of us from our sins. It was the place that he gave himself as a substitute, taking upon himself and paying the price and pay paying the penalty for our sins. And as a preview, when we come to our text here in Mark chapter 15 verses 6 through 14, we have a story that gives us somewhat a preview of everything Calvary would mean for you and me. The events of this scene before us in the scripture that I read gives us a wonderful picture of the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus. We see an innocent one 
dying for the guilty one. We see a picture of God's grace as we seeing the one who is guilty being allowed to go free. So if you would, for just a few moments, I want you to join me. And I want you to walk with me back in time. And I want us to visit this scene here in Mark 15 and see what is happening. And may the Spirit of God let us see what we see and hear and feel all the things that are happening in the scene that I have just read. I want to divide it into two sections. First, we'll examine the guilty and what it meant for the innocent. And then we will look at the innocent and see what it meant for the guilty. Let me divide it in these two thoughts. Follow me. First of all, when I look at the scene that I have just read, for one thing, I see a display of guilt. When I read the scripture that I just read and we read, I see guilt in abundance. There is a display of guilt here. You could say that guilt is strutting on the stage in every word and in every movement. Guilt is written on every face. And you hear guilt in every voice that you hear in the story. In fact, the only innocent one in this whole story is Christ himself. He's the only innocent in this scene. But as a story here, there is a display of guilt. Again, guilt displayed in abundance. Let me explain. For one, you see guilt in the person of Barabbas. There is guilt in the person of Barabbas. We read in verse 6, Now at the feast, he, talking about Pilate, released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. Throughout Pilate's rule as governor, he had made many missteps that had angered Rome and threatened his political career. And although he had already said that he had found no fault in Jesus and that there was no grounds for him to be executed, in the scene here he has a vindictive group of religious leaders that he has to satisfy. And there was that annual Passover tradition of granting amnesty to a criminal who had been sentenced to death. Mark tells us in verse 7, And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with them with him and who had committed murder in the insurrection. There's very little that we know about Barabbas. But what we do know only paints a picture of guilt. He's one of those many obscure (coughs) individuals in the Bible that we know little about them besides their name. They appear for a brief time in the scripture and then they vanish into history and oftentimes without any trace whatsoever. However, Barabbas 
He's a lasting example of the story itself. When Mark speaks about Barabbas being bound, he's talking and describing him as a prisoner. And he describes him as a prisoner along with others who had been arrested and convicted of insurrection and murder. Alexander McLaren said of Barabbas that he was a coarse, red-handed desperado. His name means son of the father, perhaps suggesting that uh, his father had doted on him as a young child or even as a baby that maybe in his youth or in his infancy he had been the pride and the joy of his father. But somewhere uh, this man had taken a course that leaves him as a portrait of a man that is guilty of crimes that are worthy of execution. Again, see him. Here's Barabbas. And we see guilt in the person of Barabbas. He stands before us a depraved man. He stands before us a guilty man. He has been convicted. He has been condemned. And he's sitting in a prison cell awaiting the hour of his execution. Here's a man, here's guilt. But you not only see guilt in the person of Barabbas, but you also see guilt in the preference for Barabbas. For you notice in verse 8, And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. The people knowing this annual tradition of releasing a criminal, criminal, one that they chose, they came to Pilate asking him to release someone as he had customarily done every year on Passover. Pilate was very aware of the popularity of the Lord Jesus. Had it not just been a few days earlier when Jesus had entered Jerusalem that the people had granted him with palm branches and cries of Hosanna? Pilate thinks to himself, this is the way I'll get out of my dilemma. Surely if I offer the people Jesus, they will quickly choose him as the one they want to set free. We read in verse 9, Pilate answered them saying, Will ye or would you like for me to release unto you the one that they call the king of the Jews? And he's aware that everything that had happened was a hatchet job as expressed in verse 10 for he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But this religious crowd who had had their diabolical plan and had worked behind the scenes using the cover of darkness and lies and deceit to bring about their plan, knowing the popularity of Jesus, they were still not through. They were even working behind his scenes to secure his execution and to make sure nothing thwarted their plan to see Jesus die. That's why he said in verse 11, but the chief priest moved the people that he should release Barabbas unto them. Whatever lies they told or whatever steps they took in their diabolical plan, I don't know. 
But Mark said they moved the people. In other words, they stirred up the people. They incited the people to ask for the release of the convicted murder Barabbas. This is not the response that Barabbas had expected or Pilate had expected. He thought, surely, because the people, they love him so much, if I offer them Jesus, they will immediately cry for his release. No, this was not the response. And perhaps Pilate thought, but they don't understand what I am offering them. And so verse 12, he answered and said again unto them, what will you do? Then that I shall do unto him that you call the king of the Jews. And notice the reply of the people. And they cried out again, crucify him. And the word cried signifies a loud, bellowing, thunderous. And in fact, the word is an onomatopoeia. And an onomatopoeia is a word that often describes the sound of something or the action of something, like the bee went, or the arrow went, or the clock went, tick-tock, tick-tock. It's like he says, what will you then that I do unto him? And you could hear the buzz among the people, a rumble. It got louder and louder and louder until it reached a crescendo and they began to cry out, bellow out, let Barabbas go. Crucify Jesus. Let Barabbas. We want him to be set free. And stunned by their response, Pilate said, why? What evil has he done? However, their minds are set and the choice has been made and they cried out in verse 14, the more exceedingly crucify him with a roar, a thunderous roar, the multitude cried, crucify him, crucify Jesus. The deafening cries of the multitude left the vacillating pilot with no option. So we read in Pilate willing to content the people, release Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. I remind you, we're talking about guilt. There is guilt on display here. There is guilt that you see in the person of Barabbas. But there is guilt in every other voice in this story. Guilt by the religious leaders. At their best, these religious leaders were liars and deceivers and blinded by their greed and blinded by their power. Their hearts was as black as midnight, calloused by their own selfish cause. They were evil to the core. Oh, there's guilt here among the religious leaders. There's guilt here by Pilate. Matthew tells us Pilate following a Jewish custom to express reluctance for decision being made took water and washed his hand before the multitude and said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. But I would look at Pilate and say, innocent? How can you declare yourself to be innocent? 
Wash your hands until they shrivel. But Pilate, you will never be innocent. There's guilt here in the religious crowd. There is guilt here in Pilate. There is guilt with the crowd itself as they cry, crucify him, crucify him. Matthew says they even went as far to cry out, His blood be on us and on our children. And indeed, His blood is on the hand of everyone involved in this story. There is guilt here. Would you not agree? Guilt guilt crying out from every word and guilt crying out from every deed. But yet when we point the finger at their guilt, we cannot and must not ignore our own guilt in this whole thing. You say, I was not there. Oh. You say, I wasn't involved in this. I have no responsibility. There is no guilt on my part. But does not the scripture say that the whole world is guilty before God? At his birth, you remember Jesus or the angel told Joseph, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus, Savior. Why would you call this baby Savior? Why would you call this baby Jesus? Why the name Jesus? Because he had come to save his people from their sins. He came because we all have a sin problem. We are all guilty in this room tonight. As it is written, the scripture said, there is none righteous, no, not one. And are we not familiar with the statement that all have can't sinned and come short of the glory of God? And what an image there of an archer. He reaches into his quiver and he pulls out his arrow. He notches his bow and he pulls back with all of his strength and to all of his capability and he fires at the target that is in front of him, releases the arrow, only to miss the target. But bear in mind, he doesn't miss the target because he shot wide to the right. He doesn't miss the target because he shot wide to the left. He doesn't miss the target because he overshot the target. No, his arrow fell to the ground long before it ever got to the target. It came short. And we may take our, like Cain, bring from the soul of our own doings and our own works and our own deeds, but bring our offering to God to only find that God will not accept anything of my own goodness because at my very best, I still come short of the glory of God. Sophisticated lady went to hear George Whitfield preached and it was obvious she did not like what she was hearing. And she listened in disgust and when she left the service, she was in a rage and someone overheard her say, It is perfectly intolerable that ladies like me should be spoken to just like a creature from the street. Could it be that someone here tonight would find it offensive to be told that even in all of your best, in all of your goodness, you are as vile as any other person on the face in this earth? 
Boast in your status, if you please, and flaunt your goodness and claim your religious deeds. But understand this, as Isaiah declared, that all are an unclean thing and that even my righteousnesses are as a filthy rag. There's guilt here. We are numbered among the guilty. You may separate yourself from what is happening, but you're still guilty. I had nothing to do with this crucifixion, but ah, there's enough things that cry out to your guilt anyway. And so there is a display of guilt here. But this guilt is why we need a Savior. And that's what everything that is happening, the cross, the death, is all because this is guilt in abundance, even on our part. Say, so what do you mean? There's a display of guilt here. But also there is a demonstration of grace. Why do you see the Lord Jesus enduring such horrifying agonies? Why do we see Him being mocked? And why do we see Him being beaten? And why do we see Him being scourged? Why is our heavenly Father allowing His Son to become the object of the kind of torture that we find in this scene? Isaiah said, it's by His stripes we are healed. Because the only cure for our spiritual ailment of our sinful hearts, because you understand that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And the only cure for our spiritual ailment was what Christ went through in His death on the cross. He was the guiltless one dying for the guilty. He was the sinless one dying for the sinful, the just for the unjust. Look at this story again. Can you not hear the cries of the people? They're crying out. It's a roar filling the courts. Let Barabbas go. Crucify Jesus. But imagine. Can you imagine with me Barabbas sitting in a prison cell? Try to picture it there. See him sitting there. The cross on which he was going to be executed had already been erected. He had been convicted. He had been sentenced. His fate was settled. He hears the rattle of the Roman armor and the clanging of the keys. And he looks up and he sees a Roman soldier walk up to his cell door. And no doubt... This hardened criminal suddenly became as weak as a little child. As sweat broke out on his brow and his heart began to race, thinking, the moment is here. My hour has come. I will never see another sunrise. But oh, to his surprise, when the Roman soldier unlocked his cell door and said, Barabbas, you are being set free. Stunned, he sits there as if he cannot believe the words that his ears have heard. But again, a gruff voice says, come on, you've been set free. 
He does not wait a second time. He grabs his cloak, he rushes out his cell, he hurries down a corridor, and he steps out into the sunlight, a free man. Can you imagine the moment? Can you not visualize that scene in your mind? Barabbas been set free. What a picture, what a demonstration of God's saving grace and what the cross is all about. What does it mean? It's a preview of the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus. There are many who believe the cross on which Jesus died was the very cross that had been erected for Barabbas. And that the two thieves that were crucified on either side of our Lord were cohorts of Barabbas and his crimes. But the clock chimes out the hour of execution. And when you look at the cross, you do not see Barabbas on the cross. But rather you see Jesus on the cross. Where Barabbas is destined to die, we find Jesus dying. My mind goes back to an earlier scene in the scripture and I see a father and son preparing an altar for sacrifice. And no artist could ever depict on canvas the anguish on the face of that father when he unsheaths his knife and raises it to slay his beloved son, the one he loved so dearly. But then a voice pauses his hand and he looks and there is a realm entangled in the thicket. And when the smoke of the fires of that altar rose into the evening sky, it was not fire consuming the body of his beloved son, but rather a substitute that had been provided by God. And my mind comes back to Calvary's hill, and I gaze upon that center cross, the cross that is reserved for Barabbas the instrument that had been erected for his death. But I do not see Barabbas there. I see the darling son of God dying in the stead of Barabbas. I see the blessed God dying in the place of Barabbas. Substitution was a song that was very popular when I first got saved back in the early 70s that says it well. I was guilty with nothing to say. And they were coming to take me away. When a voice from heaven that was heard that said, let him go, take me instead. Oh, I should have been crucified. And I should have suffered and died. And I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. You see, when you look at the cross, you see a substitute. Jesus dying in the place of another. But you not only see the substitutionary death of Jesus, but the saving death of Jesus. Because Jesus died, Barabbas was saved. He was destined to die, but now he's alive. And because of that act of amnesty, the record of Barabbas was expunged and the sentence of death was eliminated and he became a free man, saved by the substitution of the Lord Jesus. Through the substitutionary death, and I'm about to wind up, of the Lord Jesus, all who look to him for salvation 
They are saved from the penalty of sin. And the cry that comes from Calvary is liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Because on that day, he snapped those fetters that long held me bound. And it opened my prison door and I was free. What does the death of the Lord Jesus mean? Why did he die on the cross? We were all Barabbas. And we were all condemned to die an eternal death. But Jesus took our place, dying in our stead as our substitute. And as the blessed book declares, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For we've been made free from the law of sin and death. Would you not agree this is a glorious demonstration of the grace of God? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We look back to the hour when grace, when we were made free from sin's condemnation and every one of us, we have to say, it was all by God's grace. I was guilty, but by grace I've been set free. I don't know. I've often thought about Barabbas. You can, guarantee, you can be certain that when he was set free, he didn't hang around. I see him rushing out of the eastern gate down the Kidron Valley coming up the side of the Mount of Olives. And I've wondered, did he stop and look back? And could he see in the distance that mob that was gathering just outside the city wall? He could hear their cries. Did he hear the hammering of the nails? Did he look and see someone dying on the cross that had been erected for him? I've often wondered, did he ever understand did he ever appreciate what happened to him that I have no idea? The scripture does not give us any clue whatsoever. Did he run on out and begin and become involved? I, I have no idea. I cannot speak to the impact that it had on Barabbas. I can only speak for myself. And when I think of Christ dying in my stead, I join with the hymn writer in saying, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. But on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sins. Then... Sings my soul, my Savior, how great, 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 how great thou art.